Hello and welcome to Bread and Thread, a podcast about food and domestic history. I'm Liz. I'm Hazel. And we are two friends who studied archaeology together and love history and uh, making things. And today we have a guest with us. Um, Hello. Hello, Hello, I'm Eleanor. Um, Thank you very much for coming and talking about things with us. You are welcome. I know about things, so I was the perfect booking. <laughs> we, we like uh, guests that know about things. Yeah. It, I, especially... I, I know many things. <laughs> especially when it's things that we like to podcast about, because mm-hmm. that, then we can all podcast about things together and have a nice time. That's true. That's true. It's, it's, it's almost too perfect. <laughs> One would think it was a planned event. Um, so we normally like to start the podcast by talking about what we've been making and or baking recently. Um, so do you want to go first? I am happy to go first, yes. Um, I suppose baking-wise, just been a while since I've baked, actually, but recently my husband had COVID, um, as though it were 2021 all over again. Yes, well, he, you see, is a stand-up comedian, so he travels the country and therefore brings home oh. every bug and virus uh, oh. in the land. Yeah, so he managed to get COVID. I immediately masked up and avoided it, therefore. Um, so, yes, well I just done. lived in I know, I was very pleased. Wear your masks, kids. Um, but during that time, he lost his um, smell and taste for a bit again. Um, and so one of the things that uh, I attempted to make was a grilled cheese like these Americans uh, make. Um, because there was a Tumblr user who posted a recipe for the ultimate grilled cheese. So I thought I'd give that a go to see if the textures would be any good for him, if he could actually taste those. Um and that worked out really well actually. It was very, very good. Ooh. So, what yeah. made it the ultimate grilled cheese? You had to um add a source of either sweetness or spice to the bread first. So like honey or mustard or something like that. And I had honey in the house, so I went with that. Um and then when you sort of initially fry the bread, um you did it in garlic and uh a source of heat um so i went for chili for him because uh spice of course like heat is not a flavor it's a sensation so even if you've lost your sense of taste you can still enjoy food that wants to hurt you um (laughs) he likes that so that was fine uh and also some herbs and then yeah cheese on the inside uh, along with the the honey and then yeah sort of fry that together um but it worked out very well it was very very nice uh and he could indeed enjoy it because it had lots of um fun textures and things so that was fun um and then yeah making wise i think the most recent thing i've been trying to make it's a very much an ongoing project uh, my adhd means i pick it up and put it down and forget about it for several months and then try again but um i've been trying to make this scarf that i saw in a pokemon game which is slow going. <laughs> yeah, I've I've managed to make I think about four inches of it so far. So yeah, it's going well. Amazing. So like in, in approximately however long amount of time um <laughs> you 
you will have a scarf. I I know this feeling well. Yeah. <laughs> that that is a classic crafter's timeline. Approximately however long. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so far I'm four inches into it, and it's been a year and a half, maybe, that I've been going. <laughs> so I reckon maybe in another 15 years I might have finished it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice. Thank you. Uh, well, I am continuing with my quilt, which I started in January, and I have less than half of. Um, but to be fair, I am hand sewing the whole thing, and I did move house and also start a new job and finish a dissertation. So, well, that um, sounds incredible. <laughs> but but there was also a lot of other projects that may have been started and or gone back to along the way um but i'm i am just continuing with the quilts i will put a picture on the tumblr um not that much like baking because of aforementioned moving house but um i made banana bread in a casserole dish um <laughs> because we don't have any baking tins yet um and i am planning to make some rose hip syrup um yeah i've been meaning to gather rose hips for ages now um now that it's finally the season and on monday my train was delayed for like an hour so uh there was a couple of really good bushes with rose hips on at the station so i just like happily picked rose hips until my train came Mm. hell of a good year for rose hips this year actually i'm seeing them everywhere ah yeah there's there was a good haul so we did, uh, it was in a previous episode that we did, um, I can't remember if it was a whole episode or not, but we did do an episode about the benefits of the rose hip, which is full of vitamin C. Um, yes. Yeah. So we're making some syrup and then we can have it on porridge and ice cream and in drinks mm. and other nice things. Um, yeah. And hopefully I will get a bit more time make more things so what about yours what have i been doing um i haven't made a lot of progress because i've i had a cup i had basically a weekend of so much traveling um went to york and then back to manchester and then down to london for work and then back up again um but while i was in york i was reminded by a friend of the joys of lancashire hot pot because they were kind of lamenting the lack of good black pudding. So I made a hot pot. Delicious. And I just, I just love hot pot. Um, I think it was my best one. Mm, that is a bold thing to say. And I've, I've made progress on the, hex, on the hexagon cardigan. I've got four rounds left of the second half, and then I can put them together and figure out if I need to extend it at all, because Nick has a really long torso. Have, have you tried asking them to just be shorter? Me? Great, because I have a really short torso. <laughs> <laughs> so I made it, like, too long for me, in the hopes that it would be the right length. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the advantage and disadvantage of making clothing. It's like, you can make it fit just right, but then you also have to make it fit right, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's it's sort of on you whether or not it fits, and I don't like that. 
Yeah, you can make it fit right, but at what cost? Yeah, <laughs> but at least with it being a granny hexagon, I don't need to do buttonholes because you can just put the buttons like between the stitches. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Mm. There's, there's a hack for you. <laughs> um, so, Eleanor, what are you going to teach us about? I, today, have come to talk to you about the humble uh, Welsh love spoon. Which is uh, the cutlery Yay. of my people. <laughs> Do enjoy a love spoon. <laughs> I, I know of the concept and I'm excited to learn details. Excellent, yes. I mean, it's, um, yeah. They aren't actually unique to Wales, like as a sort of underlying kind of central concept. The idea of carving something um, for your uh, intended loved one um, <laughs> as a sort of, please fancy me, please go out with me. I really like you. <laughs> you have nice eyes kind of symbol. Um, it's it's quite old, actually, in that it does come up across Europe and it does seem to have been fairly prevalent among a lot of Celtic cultures. But um, in Wales in particular, it just seems we really went for it in a big way and kept it going long after everyone else stopped. Um, yeah, like I, I've been in like Cadu shops where they have little... I got a Love Spoon fridge magnet made out of coal, <laughs> which I think might be the most Welsh souvenir. <laughs> it's got a little a little red dragon on it and everything. Aww. <laughs> Have you discovered the, the Welshest object imaginable? <laughs> yeah, I think that would only be Welsher if it was also made of cheese. <laughs> we have opinions on cheese as a people. <laughs> I mean, you do have very nice cheeses as a people. We oh, do. Yeah. We do. We 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 go in for it in a big way. We take it very seriously. You've uh, you've 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 got to put your effort in with cheese. Um, mm -hmm. in, in, yeah, in many ways more important than love spoons. Um, but the the historical record is mysteriously silent on uh, fancy cheeses being made specially for um, a, a young man's intended. An elaborately carved cheese. Yeah, yeah. I would. I think that would so work on me. Excited. Yeah, that would have. Yeah. That would be so effective. In getting people to fancy you, I mean, it would certainly work on me, especially if somebody did just carve in those same, like you know, the symbols and everything, um, <laughs> and did that over. I'd be like, great, yeah, fab. Uh, no, I feel like if you're like whittling a present for <clears throat> your beloved, like I guess a spoon is a f a fairly natural choice. Like it's yeah. You know, fairly everyday, but also something that they use. Not... Yeah, they're, they're useful utensils, you know? Like, I think the the oldest sort of reference to a spoon in Welsh culture is ridiculously... I think it's like a, a poem uh, written by Taliesin. Um, wow. Not the mythological version, the actual genuine, he actually existed, 6th century poet. Um, oh. but, <laughs> yeah, not not the mythologized version of the real man. I um, yeah, I was gonna say, is this a mythological spoon? <laughs> oh, I mean, we probably have mythological spoons as well, but no. Uh, in this case, a genuine poem, uh, and yeah, it's it's the first example of the word spoon in Welsh, anyway, which is uh, Lloy. Um and yeah, that one, yeah, sixth century, so yeah, five uh, hundreds AD. Um, 
Kali Essen, of course, I mean, he, 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 you know, he wrote in Welsh, um, but because of the nature of uh, Britain's linguistic background, um, he came more from sort of north of England, south of Scotland kind of way. Um, yeah, I mean, so sort of early Welsh, uh, old Welsh was at its height, spoken as far up uh, into Britain as, I suppose, the Antonine Wall, really. Um, so that kind of line between Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, which is like Glasgow is a, a sort of very Welsh um, name. And actually, you also see it in a couple of other places in Scotland. Aberdeen, uh, obviously, Aber in Welsh is mm -hmm. uh, like a, a river mouth. Um, and yeah, a couple of places like that. Um, so yeah, he, he came from further up. But yeah, that, so we know that spoons as a utensil um, were around at least from them. Um, we're pretty sure the very early love spoons that used to be carved was, you know, the, the idea was if a young man wanted to show a girl that he really liked her and he really wanted to start courting her, he could carve her this spoon because it would show that he was handy, that he could carve something, that he therefore had a trade he could fall back on and that would be a way of supporting her. But he's also given us some impractical because Welsh people are nothing if not practical. Um... So the very early ones would have literally just been a spoon head, a uh, rectangle for a, you know, handle, and then probably with a hole in so it could be hung on the wall. Um, and then, yeah. The, pretty the... similar to, like, the wooden spoon you'd get from Ikea. Yes. Yes. Less mass-produced, but yeah, otherwise... Yeah, considerably more meaningful. <laughs> yeah, they pro Well, so, yeah, he probably would have put, like, initials in it, you know? So it would be his initials and her initials, and then, um, yeah... And that would be the symbol of devotion. Um, I think the oldest one we have that still exists, because, I mean, these were carved from wood, so obviously, you know, then rot away after a while. Uh, but I think the oldest one we have that still exists, I think might be in St. Fagans, and it's, um, I think it's 1660, I want to say seven, 1667, um, if that rings a bell. I think it is. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, relatively old. Um, but yeah, over the years then, like I say, Wales went in for it in a really, really big way. So it increasingly became uh, not just your basic spoon. They started adding all the fun symbols and the, you know, the fancy stuff, because the more fancy stuff that he could add, the more skilled he could show himself as being. But also the symbols all have their own meanings. So if he's also a bit shy, bless him, um, he can express his true feelings via a cryptographic series of difficult to interpret symbols that he could just hope she understood. Um, so is it is it a standard set of symbols that are just sort of generally understood to have certain meanings? By now, yes. Um, and to be honest, I think at their height was kind of the 17, 1800s. Uh, and I think by then, um, those symbols were generally very well understood. Um, so yeah, there's a, a sort of general list um, so a heart obviously is a fairly easy and obvious one. Um, that said, two hearts on the same spoon means specifically that it's a reciprocated love. Um, so you probably wouldn't see that on one where a guy was chancing his arm. That would be more of a, uh, we know that we like each other kind of spoon. I don't know. Uh, I kind of like the idea of doing two hearts for this being like, eh? Eh? <laughs> and she's like, well, this is incredibly presumptive. <laughs> Be off with you. Uh, yeah, and then there's various others, so, yeah. I guess it's not so different from today, like, in terms of 
texting, you know, like, like expressing <laughs> yourself through symbols. <laughs> Emojis on a spoon. <laughs> yeah. It's just that you can also eat with the spoon and make jam and stuff like that. So uh, mm-hmm. you yeah. cannot spread jam on your bread with a phone. I mean, you can, but it might be bad for the phone. I mean, it, well, yeah, technically can. <laughs> but I wouldn't. <laughs> I've come across a couple of the memes because my um, I, I recently learned my grandparents have a love spoon. Oh. Um, because they they lived in in North Wales for a while. Mm. And I, I know that a cage with balls in is how many kids you want to have. And theirs does have a cage with yeah. two balls in, which is accurate. But yes. also the date on it is after they had their kids, so that feels like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, there is that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, balls in cage uh, can be uh, sort of like a symbolising that your love can be held safe um as well but um it increasingly came to mean the number of children that you want to have or have um Mm -hmm. and in the modern day like if you go and buy a love spoon today that is what it means it's it's the number of kids you have um or indeed want to have uh, as a sort of good luck charm if you desperately really want a particular number um but yeah is it like professor like if you if it has your spoon has three on it, but you get to two, and you're like, actually, I think I'm good now. Is it like chisel oh, one out? The, the yeah, spoon yeah, yeah. says we have to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that or whichever one of you is like, nah, I'm done. Just goes down at the dead of night and chips away at just one of the balls <laughs> so you can pull it out of the cage it's in. <laughs> Such I guess the balls in the cage would be a particularly skillful one to do as well. Yeah, yeah, because you have to literally carve them like within the cage. Um, like you can't carve Ooh. one separately and then insert it. It has to be carved in situ, as it were. Oh wow! Uh, so then, yeah, so then how round that ball becomes that you can manage to get it without like chipping the edges of the cage shows just like the sheer level of skill we're talking. Um, really? Yeah. To be fair, if someone gave me that, I'd be like, you know what? All right, I'd have kids with you. Have that third kid. Yeah, it's very much the human equivalent of a bower bird, like making his special bower <laughs> to try and attract the female in. It's but look how how spherical I managed to make the symbolization of our future children. <laughs> but yeah, that one's that one's a big one. And then the, yeah, there are various others. Um, so like a bell. Um, so that would be like a, a wedding bell. Um, or anniversary. Uh, modern ones, if you get one as an anniversary present, you would usually get uh, one with a bell on. Or if you are getting somebody a love spoon as a wedding gift, uh, you would probably get one with a bell on um, these days. Mm-hmm. Um, birds, um, that can be a sort of love bird thing or a let's fly away together, let's go away together. So that could be a symbol. An elopement you... spoon. Yeah, it's an elopement spoon. <laughs> If you very sneakily want to be like, well, I'm a Baptist and you're a Methodist, it'll never work out if we let our parents in. So let's just let's go. Let's run off to Gretna Green. Um, so yeah, you might have those. If it's a stork, though, that's another we want to have a baby one. Um, chains, that's another quite skillful one actually uh, to carve the chains because again, you can't like carve the the links separately. They have to be carved, you know, as they are. Um, 
And that's generally, I mean, it sounds a bit alarming uh, for <laughs> things are cheap. But uh, yeah, loyalty, faithfulness. Um, or again, can be the number of kids you want, depending on how many links. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely seeing a trend here. Yeah, a lot of them will have very similar meanings. Um, like, we'll be together forever and we will have lots of children. I carved you a spoon, so it's going to happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I suppose there are other ones. So uh, the cross, sometimes you'd have a cross put on it because um, Welsh very much sort of survived through chapel culture. So very long time. Um, if if someone was a Welsh speaker, they were also a chapel goer. Uh, and one of the three chapel types that you uh, could get in Wales. Um, so either Baptist, Methodist or Welsh nonconformist once that rose up. Um, so yeah, crosses would turn up periodically. Diamonds, wealth or good fortune. Um, so yeah, let's be rich. Um, I'm really good at carving, so it might happen. Yay. Um, <laughs> Some really... children. <laughs> yes. Yeah. souvenir market. <laughs> um, horseshoe, good luck. Uh, good luck and good fortune. Um, let's have a think. Keys. Um, I have seen quite a few with keys or keyholes, like locks. Um, and that was more like a, a security thing. I'll look after you kind of thing. Um, or a you hold the key to my heart thing. So that's where he's being very heart on his sleeve about Aww. it. Yeah, he's being very earnest with that one. Um, a lot of knot work, Celtic knot work. Um, and that's a sort of everlasting, uh, eternal love for together forever kind of thing, you know, because knot work kind of just continues, doesn't it? It sort of loops round on itself. So, yeah, it's the Mobius strip, but um, more Celtic. Um, and a dragon, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so that would be a symbol of protection or just a general, I sense you're a bit Welsh Nash. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is a dragon to go with it. Uh, I will come with you to your rallies. We should probably clarify that Welsh nationalism is not the same as English nationalism. It's like Welsh okay. independence. Very yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. If I say that to Welsh people, they know what I mean. I've just remembered. You are you are right. Yes. Yeah. Bit different. Well, it's, it's like right. we know what it means, but we we have international listeners. Yeah, making sure. And also, it's twenty twenty three, and you never know, right? I mean, there is that as well. <laughs> you yeah. never know. I literally had to block a Nazi on Tumblr just today with uh, a Welsh name, like username. So it does sometimes come up. <laughs> ah, the internet. Yeah. Um, Good. and also real life. But yeah, um... <laughs> real life. <laughs> yeah. It truly is the twenties. I wonder. Like, this probably isn't a thing, but I like the idea of, like, being able to give your admirer back a spoon that you've carved as, like, a reply, maybe with some symbols to say, like, get lost, or... Almost like a language of flowers thing, where it's like, here's the one that means I'm not interested, actually. <laughs> the language of spoons. I reckon they give back a fork. Oh! Oh, I love that. <laughs> Just or if it was a knife, no. that would be like the yeah. ultimate. Never talk to me again. <laughs> yeah, the symbol is like just a cow. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> indicating what I think of what you're saying. 
Two hearts on one spoon, Davis. Very presumptuous. <laughs> but yeah. So no, we um we do still do it uh in the modern day. It's no longer a thing where well, no, that's not necessarily true. If you have someone who is a glorious woodworking nerd, uh then they might make you a spoon. Um oh. But uh, in the modern day, uh, there are still like love spoon carvers and you can go to them and, and get one either made bespoke or they will have like a range that you can buy from. So like in Swansea, uh, there is the love spoon gallery uh, down the Mumbles. Um, and yeah, you can go in there and buy them for... And it's it's not just now for your betrothed. So like I say, you could now buy one for somebody else as like a wedding gift. Um in fact, we did that a, a couple of weeks, well, back in September. Um, Steph and I went to a wedding um, of a very lovely comedian, Robin Perkins. She's great. Um, American originally, but she's now settled over here. Um, but we went to her wedding and uh, that was in Wales um, because her wife is, um, well, I think she has a Welsh family. Um, I think she grew up fairly internationally. So they got married in Wales, so we decided we would get them a love spoon as their sort of wedding present. Um, so yeah, that was where we went. So you can get ones that have like, you know, the, the symbols that you want. So I think we went with Knotwork, uh, the bells, because it was a, a wedding spoon. Um, and then I think the actual spoon head itself was heart-shaped. Um, so yeah, that could be added in. Um, but yeah, you can also get ones. Yeah, it's really cute. You can also get ones for like christenings. You can get ones for um, like new job. Congrats on your new job. Because, you know, horseshoes, diamonds, things like that kind of um, give you that sort of good luck wealth thing going on. So, yeah, like there, there's a bunch of different ways you can get them now. Also, a lot of places will do them as like wedding favours. So you can get just like little mini ones um, and then, yeah, give those out to your wedding guests. Sweet. Just sharing oh. the love. Yeah. Yeah, tiny spoon. Yeah, they use are very for, cute. They're in like, a use it for like portioning jam or something. <laughs> yeah, it's a teaspoon. <laughs> I actually did once go out with a guy who carved spoons. He wasn't Welsh and they weren't love spoons, but he carved spoons and he had this one spoon that he'd made that he carried around with him all the time. That he was like, oh, this is the spoon I'm going to give to like the woman I want to marry. And he never gave me the spoon, so you can guess how that turned out. <laughs> That's oh. a thing to say to your girlfriend. Oh. My God. <laughs> I do hope you gave him a fork. <laughs> if I knew where he was now, I would send him a fork in the place. <laughs> <laughs> Just no context. No, absolutely no context. None unsigned. <laughs> Yeah, don't even sign it. He just receives a fork one day and is like, what on earth could this mean? A fork with just a vague air of, like, screw you energy. <laughs> like, I carved it out of you wood. Just oh. Yeah. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun, because this... Like, the yew tree isn't just symbolic of death, it's actually poisonous, isn't it? Yes! Ooh! That's, that's making your point. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, very, very dangerous to use as an actual working fork. Um, yeah. <laughs> but they would sometimes use yew as uh, the spoon would, which always struck me as being a bit, are you not tempting fate with that, but okay. 
Um, I mean, but... maybe that's for if you're going to marry rich and then just kind of <laughs> just su survive them. You know, it happens. Yeah. You're intending to be a rich widow swearing to a police officer you don't know what happened. It's simply tragic. Uh, he just fell in the pool and then the toaster <laughs> did too. <laughs> I, th I think you mentioned last episode, Hazel, that sycamores used quite often. Yes. Yeah, I, I, that was a thing. Yeah, that was the most popular wood that was used for love spoons, yeah. Is there a particular um, reason or is it just a, a good wood for spoons? I suspect it was a good wood for spoons. Um, I suspect also it's because sycamores are plentiful uh, and they grow quickly and wherever they want. So fairly easy to get hold of the wood as well. Um, as we established, they are the, the most unchaste of trees. They, yes. Yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were being a bit mean to sycamores last episode. <laughs> but, you know, in a loving way. I always feel slightly protective of sycamores because uh, by by trade I'm an environmental lecturer. Um, I've been like in the environmental sector for God, well over a decade now. Um, and yeah, land management was always kind of like my area and trees and things like that. Um, but we sort of went through um, in 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 the UK we went through a bit of a, a patch in uh, the 70s and 80s. I think it was because everyone had just realised that um, invasive species was a concept, and we probably shouldn't keep planting whatever we wanted wherever we wanted, and deliberately introducing things to other countries, uh, and then being all shocked Pikachu face about it going wrong. Um, and somebody realised in like the 70s and 80s that sycamores weren't native. Uh, but they hadn't yet understood that that does not automatically mean invasive. Uh, and everyone suddenly like screamed and panicked and ran around uh, and were like, oh God, but sycamores are going to kill all the oaks and then we'll never have any oaks again. So we must get rid of sycamores immediately, uh, which is an absolutely fascinating thing to say of a tree that has been in this country for 2000 years and has naturalized perfectly well and has yet to destroy all the oaks. Um, <laughs> So, like, it's still the case that you will come across older land managers and they are still panicking about sycamores even now and are like, we must take them all down, just kill the sycamores, it'll be fine. And you're like, or oh, maybe we could not kill perfectly harmless and very valuable veteran and ancient trees uh, just because they are naturalised rather than native. <laughs> maybe we could all get a grip. <laughs> Which means I end up always feeling a little bit protective of them, being like, leave them alone. They're doing their best. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely pro sycamore. Yes, excellent. There and was there was one right outside of my primary school, and we used to have helicopter races. Oh yeah, see they're so fun for that. Also, honestly, I always found when I was still actually in like site management, I always found it was really useful having them. Uh, because grey squirrels, of course, are invasive in this country and they really like chewing the bark off trees to drink the sap uh, to get at the sugars. And if you have sycamores on site, they will preferentially do that to sycamores and therefore leave your oaks alone. Um, so they're saving so... the oaks. Yeah, yeah they yeah. are. They're a good sacrificial tree for that. So <laughs> I was always like, nah, I'm, I'm keeping mine. They're great. Highly expendable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have nice bark and they go on, have nice shaped leaves. They're, they're, they're nice, they look like paw prints. And uh, yeah, I like them. Yeah. <laughs> that was always my attitude as a land manager. But yeah, great wood for spoons. So uh, yeah, it was the most common wood that was used. 
So you mentioned love spoons being a thing in other countries. Do you have any like examples of that? I believe um, one of the Scandinavian countries still has a recent enough tradition of it that you can see examples there. And I think it's Norway. Um, because I'm sure I have seen some Norwegian ones uh, and they, they're double-headed. Um, whereas like Welsh ones, because they're intended to be functional as well. Um, I mean, these days you wouldn't use them functionally as well, but you know, that, that was always the idea. You would just have one spoon head. Um, whereas I think the symbolism um, with like the Norwegian ones was that, yeah, you would have them be like double-headed. Um, I know, well, I say I know, um, I have always been told that yeah it was a thing across quite a few uh european countries but in particular ones that were um sort of i guess celtic derived we could say um but yeah it's only really in wales then that it, it kind of kept going but yeah i think norway um well thank you for telling us about love spoons you are very welcome. I am always happy to speak of odd, arcane, loving cutlery. I, I like how you say that. Like, it's just a whole category of object. <laughs> yeah, I like, I want to know where it follows on to. Oh, I have not begun on the fish slice of my people. <laughs> so, at, at the risk of just listing random pieces of cutlery... Um, well, it's the local larder this week. <laughs> um, what is what? Sorry, the the local larder segment, um, where we talk a little bit about a more sort of regional dish or recipe, um, Ooh. that we like to do at the end of the podcast. Yeah, so thank you very much for that. I I learned many things. Um, thank you. And Could you just I... give us the Welsh for, for Love Spoon again? Uh, Lloy Cariad. Lloy Cariad. Yes. Oh, cool. I have learned a Welsh word today. <laughs> was it Lloy? <laughs> it was. I, I am yeah. learning Welsh, but Spoon has not come up yet. <laughs> just often oversight. I, I can't imagine why that would be. <laughs> <laughs> That's so important but, to us. <laughs> I, I know how to tell a dragon that I like coffee with milk. Ah, no, yeah. You see, oh, that's that's yeah, that is vital. Well, whilst Duolingo does start you off with how to greet a dragon. Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, that, that, that <laughs> is even more important. Happens about five times a day, right? I mean, if yeah. you meet one, you want to be polite. Yeah, right? <laughs> um... So, I I was sort of going on the theme of love and romance, and I have nothing specifically spoon-related, um, because I feel like you have the monopoly on regional spoon customs, but I thought I'd go with something, like an ingredient that is associated with love and romance, um, and then I found a... A very nice looking recipe for a traditional dish um, that uses it. So, actually, basil. Hmm. Um, 
Basil is in the admittedly very large category of foods that are thought to be aphrodisiacs. I mean, um, it at least makes a change from the ones that are just, well, this is phallic, so it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're outside the doctrine of signatures on this one, and I appreciate it. Um, and it's, you know, different to your classic, like, oh, chilies and chocolates. Um, and then, you know, things which are classically shaped. Um, <laughs> but uh, like many things, it has a long history and sometimes conflicting symbolism. So in ancient Greece, apparently Basil was thought to represent hatred um, and uh, could be a symbol of mourning, but also in some traditions, um, it was part of sort of courting um, sort of folkloric traditions, like you would give some some basil to your lover and if they accepted it then like that meant it was getting serious um it became by the victorian era a symbolic of love and affection um so you could send sort of affectionate wishes to someone by sending them sweet basil um I'd love apparently... to be there during that transitional period yeah, I mean, I think it was a fairly long one. It, apparently, it's been used in different cultures for a lot of different things. Like, it's a very widespread herb. It, it's been used in Ayurvedic medicine. Um, apparently, in ancient Egypt, it was an ingredient in aphrodisiacs as well. Um, and, and thought to attract love. Um, so, yeah, lots of, lots of different things. Pesto, I guess, is the classic um, thing that uses lots of basil. But there is actually a French version called pistou sauce. And pistou is pretty much the same as, as pesto, except that traditionally it doesn't have pine nuts. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's basically basil ground up with a lot of oil. Um, and it originates in the Provence region of France, so in the south of France, um, but apparently was brought there by uh, emigrants from Genoa in Italy. Um, so it's kind of like a travelling food um that came over from Italy and then became like a French version. And apparently around that area there's a lot of cuisine that is similar. Um has sort of French and Italian origins. And the word pistou is a Provencal word that means to grind. Um ah, like pestle. Referring, yeah, referring to how you make it with a pestle and mortar. So this is apparently something very traditional to Provence, and it is a main ingredient in a dish called soup au pistou, which is like a summer vegetable soup that can be eaten hot or cold and um, contains the pistou sauce. So the soup contains beans, 
um, and a lot of vegetables and um, parmesan cheese and the pistou uh, with lots of basil in. I mean, it definitely sounds good. Yeah, that's. I'm sounds... not sure right. if it would be like seduction level. Well, apparently, the legend about the creation of the pistou soup, um, or the soup or pistou, uh, is that it was created in the 18th century um, by a noble woman who wanted to seduce another very rich nobleman. Did they eat it with specially carved spoons? <laughs> it doesn't say. Um, uh, she went wrong there. See, she went wrong there. I, clearly, I mean, I haven't been able to find much information on like whether or not she succeeded. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know if he just sort of thought, oh, this is disgusting, um, and then gave it back. He hated the soup and sent her a fork to let her know. And that was the end. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the origin story, and um, in classic bread and thread bread and thread fashion, uh, there is a festival for this dish in a small town. <laughs> Add it to the road trip. We are adding it to the road trip. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently this is a very very traditional dish of the region and uh, you know it's popular as a classic french dish um as regardless um it's included in julia child's mastering the art of french cooking um it's it's a classic and it looks really nice um, it sounds amazing i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah yeah I, would even, I think i would even eat that with a normal spoon to be honest i <laughs> amazing high praise i know right do you, does the love spoon like improve the taste of things that perhaps aren't so great? Um, well, it certainly uh, increases the secondary effects, such as making someone fall in love with you via your pesto. Um, ah. <laughs> yeah. That's how you activate the additional effect. Um, oh, so you're saying you would eat it it's even... It's like a catalyst for the pesto. <laughs> yeah. It's like Legend of Zelda cooking, right? So if you just like <laughs> bake the ingredients, you just get hearts. But if you cook them together, you can unlock their actual like fancy effect. That's what the love spoon does. I would so love to see a love noise. spoon as a mechanic in a video game. Yes. <laughs> me too. When will the oppression and erasure of my people end, eh? <laughs> <laughs> So that is the soup or pistou. Um and I I'm looking for more summer soup recipes, honestly. I feel like it's a neglected area. It sure is the time of year. Or at least it is in Britain. <laughs> I guess you can get gather the recipes and then you'll be ready when it gets warm again. Yeah. I feel like in countries that have more summer, there's probably more summer soups. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, trying to like make an effort to eat more seasonally is is something I've been trying to do, which led to venison and pumpkin pasta the other day. So like, it's oh, it's a good thing. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Oh, I do like a bit of venison, I must say. Mm. So 
if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash bread and thread for access to a Discord server where we chat about food, crafting, just general nerding, as well hey. as monthly movies. You can also find us on Tumblr at Bread and Thread, where we will post teasers for upcoming episodes, um, pictures of things we talk about on the podcast, and then also just whatever comes our way that is relevant. And if you want to suggest an episode or a local order, you can message us on there or email breadandthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Eleanor, do you want to plug anything or just say where people can find you oh i suppose you can you can find me on tumblr uh i have a very stupid username it is because good heroes deserve kidneys uh because when i first joined tumblr in 2011 it was an art blog that critiqued comic book art and now i'm too lazy to change the url um but (laughs) yeah (laughs) there i am (laughs) that's where i hang out (laughs) I appreciate a dedication to the brand, I say, as someone who is Invisible Goats literally everywhere. It's I don't okay, know yeah. call it dedication when it's actually just very lazily not doing anything about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like resigned like... acceptance to the goal. Yeah, yeah, resigned that's acceptance right. to the brand. That's that's more me. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for telling us fascinating facts. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time.